You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, Rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Star Wars Resistance episode, Hunt on Cellsor 3. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt, the Crankster Cranky. Yo, what's happening, my friend? Uh, I am doing very well this day, uh, Tuesday, and you know what, I gotta say again, um, for the second week in a row on this podcast... It looks like a trailer has uh, kind of overshadowed another episode of Resistance. But hey, yeah. it's okay, because this thing, uh, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian. Wow, another kick-butt trailer. But uh, but I'll digress, Mike. Uh, I guess we're just going to start with that? Yeah, we can just jump right into it. So uh, okay, yeah, yesterday yeah. they <laughs> released a new trailer. Uh, I guess what you could probably consider the final trailer for this the first season of The Mandalorian. Um, which starts on November 12th on Disney Plus um, for those of us who are fortunate enough to have access. Um, so, yeah, uh, North America, uh, the Netherlands for some reason, and I think Australia maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, I, yeah, November 12th, um, the first episode will be coming out, and then later that week on the Friday, um, we're, that's a Tuesday is the 12th, and then on the Friday we're going to get another episode. And then new episodes every Friday after that. Um, which the exciting thing about that is that uh, we've got a new, we will have a new podcast, uh, Faster, More Intense, where we'll be talking about The Mandalorian amongst other Star Wars things. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then obviously the animation stuff will stick around here on Rebel Cells. But uh, don't worry. Right now, you don't really have to do anything because you can just keep subscribe to this feed. Um, you'll get the first episode um, of uh, of faster, more intense, and and uh, and then we'll give you instructions once uh, once that's all set up and you can start uh, downloading from that other feed um, from from its independent feed. Or you can you'll be able to uh, in the new year you'll be able to get all of your Star Wars stuff. Uh, from Thunderquack on one feed. So subscribe to one feed. You will get every episode of Rebel Cells, every episode of Faster, More Intense, every episode of The Saga Continues, all um, in one feed. 
as well as when we do things like uh, if we do like a Thunderquack episode that's dedicated to Star Wars or uh, when we do Thunderquack ranked in the new year um, to, to include uh, uh, the Rise of Skywalker in the official ranking, then uh, then at that point we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put that in the feed as well so that you won't miss any Star Wars content. But uh, that's all stuff in the new year coming in two weeks. We'll, uh, we'll have the first episode of the Mandalorian. We've got the trailer. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna go as in depth uh, on this trailer as we did with the the Rise of Skywalker one, but uh, sure no no we're definitely gonna talk about it. So um, overall, the tone of this trailer is great. Um, this is definitely the most we've kind of gotten of the story, um, and uh, a lot of it is atmospheric storytelling. It's not really it's not really um, uh, uh, the dialogue tells a bit of a story but the majority of the story is actually kind of in the background and and sort of reading between the lines and some of the visuals but uh let's let's jump into it let's jump into this we open on these stormtrooper uh helmets looking like skulls in the sand uh mm-hmm. and on pikes and stuff i love this uh it is the world more peaceful since the revolution i love that <laughs> sort yeah. of pointing out that that the the galaxy has kind of gotten dangerous since the empire has been taken down and then uh and then we see the mandalorian doing some pretty rad moves he's got that shock staff uh and uh, and somebody getting frozen in carbonite yeah. i guess i guess boba he he revolutionized the way that we uh, uh <laughs> transport bounties um yeah. man the the visuals on the ships are just incredible hey the just the the fidelity of it because they're doing it in a more traditional fashion um but yeah just all these all these bounty hunters stormtroopers i uh, this the mandalorian's looking like he's pretty uh tough and then we get into and then we get into um well i'm just kind of watching it as we talk about it um, yeah, yeah. We get into the uh, the the Clone Wars stuff, which I'm gonna pause and we can talk about that a little bit. Um, we see a droid gunship, and then we see what I'm going to presume is the Mandalorian's family, um, as well as him as a child, uh, because I I'm guessing that this is a flashback to Mandalore. And, That's what I'm uh, thinking. Yeah, and that this mm-hmm. will actually sync up with um, with the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, in some fashion that there will, that there will be some connection. I mean, it might not be Mandalore. It might be a different planet, but he is a Mandalorian. Um, and then we, and then we go back into it with him kind of being a bounty hunter shooting from the hip and, and he's got the perfect movement. And then we see this big woolly rhino thing. Um, some people have said, is that a reek? But no, there's no way that's a reek. Reek have, yeah, reek are much smaller. First of all. And then uh, Reek have um, a smaller horn on the front, and they have horns on the side of their face as well. They have horns on the side. That and they're, and they're not furry. Yeah. But, um, right. And then we see this new character. They released some character posters yesterday morning as well. And I don't know. Do we know this character's name, this this guy? He looks kind of like an Ugnaught, but he's not. I don't think he's an Ugnaught. Um, are you talking towards the end of the trailer? Like so, the guy that that's in the ship with he's it looks like he's in the Razor Crest with the Mandalorian, and he's he like kind of puts his hand on his shoulder. Um, oh, but he okay. got he got his own poster, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I was looking um, at him too. It does look like a 
It does look like an Ugnaught, but... Yeah, but I think Ugnaughts have tusks, don't they? And they're small. Yeah. I don't think this guy is that small. Um, no. But then we get we get a great... Uh, I, I, I feel like this is an intentional callback to... Because uh, Carl Weathers, obviously, in in uh, The Mandalorian, and Carl Weathers, very famous for one of the greatest scenes in action film history with Arnold Schwarzenegger when they do the... the oh, yeah. Uh, the the hand clasps with their the hand clasps. with their I uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, very very large biceps in the middle yeah. of the frame, um, but the the, and the, so it yeah. cuts from that if, if that's in Predator they it cuts from that to uh, Cara Dune and the Mandalorian uh, uh, sort of clasping hands, um, mm. and I I feel like that's a reference I feel like that's intentional. <laughs> um, I don't thought of that, but that's pretty funny to. to... To this, to here, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And then we get we get that Imperial. I can't remember his name, but um uh Giancarlo Esposito. Is that is that the I think it's uh yeah, it's Giancarlo Espinoza. Isn't he playing Gideon? I wanna say Gideon for some Yeah, um, it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and then we see that IG twenty two. Eleven. IG eleven. So yeah, I, yeah. I knew it was two numbers. Um <laughs> being awesome and shooting everything. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Bill Burr's character. Bill that, Burr? Yeah. <laughs> that weird. So odd that it's like Bill Burr and then like his character. This I'm so interested. But I think it's just going to be, they're all just going to be bounty hunters. They're all just different bounty hunters. So like, let's just have bounty hunters. And then I think the shot that nobody's talking about that is the most impressive to me is the this shot... shot of the TIE fighter and he's got yeah. the, the, the zip cord thing. Yeah. Like he's got, like, he's using his, um, like, like, I, I, the, the line, like, like Boba and Django. Right. And he's using it to like land on the back of this TIE fighter. Yeah. And I'm just like, this guy is hardcore. Um, <laughs> isn't that awesome? Yeah. Great yeah, and, shot. and then Great we shot. end on that beautiful shot of him with the, with the, the holiday special rifle. Uh, yeah. Uh, which until I have a name for it, that's what it's called. Which is just called the Holiday Special. I, uh, I, yeah, man, this show is gonna be great. And yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, like, yes, I was excited for the Mandalorian, but I wasn't like pumped. I wasn't like hyped up for the Mandalorian until this trailer, and then seeing those battle droids and the uh, and the droid gunship, and yeah. like that to me signals that um i mean we've known that dave filoni is is involved in this since since very early on essentially since the beginning and um and obviously john favreau uh, having worked on the clone wars as well um as an actor uh but but understanding the context of the clone wars and how important it is to the to the larger story and uh, and the timing on these characters and everything um this looks like it's going to tie directly in to some of our previous storytelling mm-hmm. um, and that i i wasn't sure how kind of standalone this was going to be how separate from everything it was going to be and now it's like this is this is definitely connected to something from the clone wars um in even in just as much as it's connected to the Clone Wars, uh, I think brings it in there. But 
but I think that we might we might actually get a couple of threads from some existing Clone Wars stories. I can't really speculate what those would be other than other than maybe learning something about Bo Katan or um, the fate of the Mandalorians uh, uh, in the in the uh, the the Rebellion era. Um, what happens after Star Wars Rebels, essentially? Um, mm. But uh, but apparently we're gonna get a massive Star Wars. They're calling it a spoiler, but I'll, I would just consider it a plot point if it's gonna if it's gonna be in a in a show. But uh, we're gonna be getting a a pretty a pretty substantial uh, piece of new information in the first episode, and I'm sure that that's going to have something to do with with that flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna yeah. go out on a limb and say I wouldn't be. I would be surprised. I would be gladly surprised uh, I, if we if we got um, potentially. I mean, like there are three characters that we could see in that flashback um, that are obviously very integral to the Clone Wars TV series, um, and you could you could absolutely grab two actors who previously played those characters. And uh, you could cast an actor to play one of those other characters and have them show up uh, in in the beginning of this, and that's Anakin, Obi Wan, or Ahsoka. Um, mm. It's it's possible, and there've there've been some rumors about uh, about about possible casting for Ahsoka in the last little bit, um, and that maybe she's going to show up in something. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be really interesting to see just just like a fleeting glimpse of one of those three characters in the oh, beginning man. of this. Um, yeah. And just have it just that just barely connected of like that, like battle droids, everything's going wrong. Here comes Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, and they've just got, they got Ewan McGregor for a day and, uh, and he just came in, did his thing. And then the story goes on, like you know, he just kind of defends them and says, go, "Like, oh, run," or something like that. And then, and then that's the last we see of it. Um, but just seeing some Clone Wars era, uh, either Ewan McGregor or Hayden Christensen, or possibly just seeing Ahsoka from behind or something like that, and having that connect into, because um, mm-hmm. I think if you were gonna cast somebody to play Ahsoka. Clone Wars era Ahsoka, even if it's late Clone Wars, she's going to be substantially younger than any other stories they're going to tell with that character. So, I don't know mm. if you would want to yeah. if you would want to show who you cast unless you did some heavy makeup and then de-aging. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's connecting in the Clone Wars adds a a whole world of possibility for this storytelling and, and, and who we might see in the, in the beginning of the Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that there's going to be yeah. any connections like that? I, it, I, I was, I was thinking that because I watched this, you know, quite a few times and I paused it. Um, when everybody started talking about that super battle droid and you could definitely see the super battle droid in this trailer. And I think you're right. There's, this timeline thing, right? I do think it's going to go back, like you said. Now we're going to see maybe the motivations behind why this Mandalorian seems to be, have it out. At least from the trailers, it seems like he's going after the Empire. 
um, even though it's you know it's kind of crumbled down and it's it's sparse or whatever. He's still going after him, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this this scene, I do think that is him and his parents. It looks like that are fleeing somewhere where these battle droids are are, are coming into the Clone Wars era. Uh, so I think that's kind of like maybe where his motivation is going to be coming from. What the actual story is, it's still super hard to tell. Like, like we still don't know what you know his storyline is going to be. Uh, as far as the traders go, but I think you're right. As far as the um, the timeline thing is pretty interesting, and and to have to have some kind of cameo with, you know, like you said, with Ahsoka and Anakin and, and Obi Wan in that time frame. Just even if it's like like you said, like you just see him pass or, or or come and take out a couple battle droids or something like that. Holy mackerel! It'd just be crazy, and that's. Obviously, it's fan service, but holy crap, would that be awesome? You know, I'd be like, everybody would just be like, oh, yes, it's freaking great, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't need to see, like, you know, full-on character and talking or anything. Um, just to just a point, just to put it in some kind of time frame, that would be kind of cool to see. Um, also, I don't know if you heard, but last, I don't know, a few days ago or whatever it's been, there's been people have got to see, like, 30 minutes of footage of this thing. Mm-hmm. And... It was 100% positive. Like, I did not see one person tweet about, like, oh, it was okay. Everybody was glowing about this thing. I mean, from the highest praise to just, I mean, there was nothing lower than just, like, it was fantastic. So mm-hmm. right there, I'm super excited to hear what they're saying. And this trailer, I mean, it had everything in it. It's cinematic. It's got the creatures. It's got the blurgs, battle droids. I mean, the action's fantastic. Um, here's my one question to you. I always thought, like, when I heard about this thing, like, why, why couldn't this be Boba Fett? Do you think that John, I, I personally think that Favreau wanted to do Boba Fett, but for some reason they're not going to let him, and he goes, all right, well, let's, I'll just make it a, a regular bounty hunter. But is there something in this, there's got to be something in this story that's going to differentiate this guy from Boba Fett, and I think it's going to be this little family drama that they they're going to they tease us with here. But a part of me is always going to man, this could have been Boba Fett. It could have been his coming out party. You know, everybody talked about how he went out and the, the Return of the Jedi wasn't that great. You could have brought him back in this fantastic way. You could have all this action. So there's got to be something in the story that's going to differentiate why this isn't Boba Fett. I, I mean, that's that would be my only question: is why couldn't have this been Boba Fett? Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't. It can't be Boba Fett because I feel like that story is just so tainted. Um, it's not like, yeah, I don't have a problem with the story of Boba Fett. Obviously, I mean, like we we are fans of the prequel era as well, but I think that a lot of the audience out there, um, look. <clears throat> The fact that Clone Wars is getting included in this storytelling at all is a win for anybody who is a fan of the Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. But as as many of us as there are, and obviously the audience listening to this podcast is is going to be made up of almost solely fans of the Clone Wars. Like, I don't think that there's anybody listening to a Star Wars Resistance recap that hasn't watched all of Clone Wars and enjoyed it. Um, Mm. 
or at least like if they missed it somehow they're excited to watch it when Disney plus launches in a couple weeks. Right. Mm. But, um, when it comes to attack of the clones, I think that you'd, if, if somebody only has familiarity with Boba, like with Boba's origin story through that, I think that a lot of those people would be like, I don't want a Boba Fett story. Um, now, obviously, this would have to happen. Like, this would be Boba Fett's coming out party. Like, okay, this is how he, you know, obviously he got he gets out of the Starlight yeah, Pit. Yeah, And this is what happens afterward. Like, he has a vengeance against whatever. Um, I just, I, I guess I just hope that this is not a, a TV show where the first season yeah. I go, well, why couldn't it have been Boba Fett? I mean, that would have yeah, been, yeah, yeah. you know, pretty cool. You know, could it? I think, I think I just because Boba Fett doesn't have an interesting backstory anymore. Right. Mm. Like, I think that Boba Fett had had, he was his character was full of possibility back in the 90s and then Attack of the Clones came out and all of that possibility is gone. Um, Mm. Now, obviously, like there is some storytelling to do of him going from uh, where we last saw him in the Clone Wars to becoming the bounty hunter, the famed bounty hunter Boba Fett. But at the same time. I'm personally of the opinion that Boba Fett is not nearly as cool as the Mandalorian armor makes him out to be. Right. Um, Mm. And then, and then further storytelling has kind of particularly some of the stuff from the clone wars, but even the Republic commando stuff um, places Django firmly outside of the Mandalorian culture and Boba, by extension, also outside of the Mandalorian culture as not true Mandalorians. Um, I mean, like, right. I think that that was Cal Scarada's sort of opinion of, of Django. Mm-hmm. And that's the guy, like, I, if, if we're going with Legends stuff, then, then uh, Cal Scarada is kind of, he is, he's kind of the prototypical Mandalorian mercenary bounty hunter um warrior template that i think people expect the mandalorians to be um mm-hmm. that character doesn't exist in in the continuity anymore i uh, that might change in a couple of weeks that might be one of the things that people are going to be excited about the mandalorian may be like cuz we don't know his name yet we just know that he's the mandalorian right, right? maybe he is calscarada Right, I like a new version of that character. Maybe they're going to use that name. Maybe he is the son of Cal Scarada, Right, like um, there's an opportunity there for them to 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 bring that character back into canon. Um, but I think that they can they can operate from a much more pure storytelling place when they're not beholden to anything that happened in the movies, um, and that the story can be a heck of a lot more interesting. Um by virtue of the fact that it's not tied to those specific scenes, those specific actors and their performances in that film. I don't want to like, I'm, I'm trying to be really careful with this. I don't want to say that like Tamara Morrison and, um, um, Oh my God, Daniel Logan did a bad Mm -hmm. job in attack of the clones. I think they did the best that they could with what they were working with. Daniel Logan in particular being a child at the time. Um, right. And, and George 
not being the greatest director for actors and kids need that right and so that that story is just a tough sell to me it's just a really really mm. tough sell um mm. and like i love Tamura morrison as as Django and then obviously uh, as as the clones and as Boba, um, and I think that he's a much better actor than what we get to see of him in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Um, but there's just so much baggage there, and so much like other people view those films very differently from the way that you and I view those films, and certainly mm-hmm. the way that a lot of the 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 prequel era fans view the films, the majority of people do not look kindly on them. Uh, and, right. and don't have that room for sort of like the, I mean, it is, it's the apologist sort of mentality of like, yeah, okay. The execution on the films isn't great, but the story is still there. Right. But that's not, that's not good enough for some people. Some people, they, they need it to be, a hundred percent. Um, so it's just, I think it's a, I think it's a much smarter decision to just move away from that. I think that Boba had his opportunity. Um, and I think, I think we're better off. I think like compare Boba Fett to some of the other Mandalorians that we've gotten to know over the last five, six, how many years has it been since it's been, six or seven years since the bio since rebels started oh yeah 2012 yeah yeah so um yeah seven years right Mm -hmm. i think about think about the other mandalorians we've met we've met uh uh i guess even before that pre vizsla right um and 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 learning more about death watch and 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 mandalore Mm -hmm. as in in general um Bo-Katan in there as well, uh, Satine. Uh, all three of those way more interesting characters than Boba Fett. Even, in my opinion, even in his most interesting stories, which are, I think, the, in the comic books. Like, I think mm. Enemy of the Empire is probably the most interesting Boba Fett story that anybody's ever written. And it's not... It's it, That character is not nearly as fleshed out well round, or well-rounded as those three characters that I just mentioned and their stories within the star Wars saga. And then you get to rebels and you introduce Satine or sorry, Sabine. Um, and then you start going into all of the, the Mandalorian stuff with her and you bring in, um, Oh, what, what was his name? I, in the rebels. Yeah. The guy that they I mean, allied with. Oh, Almec. No, no, I'm not Almec, but, um, ah, oh, gosh, I know you're talking about, yeah, the, the, uh, he's he's he, people know who I'm talking about, but the guy the guy that they that that was the he was one of the the um the fancy Mandalorians, um and he was working with the Imperials and then they and then they they turned him over to their side. Um, more interesting story. Tar Vizsla. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe. Pre Vizsla, Tar Vizsla. No, let's see. No, no, that's not rebels. that's not it. He had he had the completely different armor, you remember? It was like it was like more rounded and kind of like almost fancier looking. Um, yeah. Um, 
Anyways, it, do, it doesn't really matter. The details of the Gar Saxon. Gar Saxon, that's right. That's uh, it, yeah. Saxon was oh, Saxon was the bad guy? I can't remember, but I need to go back and rewatch Rebels. Yeah. No, he I will was. be doing he that was. once. He was uh, a bad guy. Disney Plus. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like like uh there was another character as well. There was Gar Saxon, there was another one as well. But mm-hmm. <laughs> in any case, these other these other Mandalorians have great stories as well and 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 we get more well-rounded characters than Boba Fett and I think that this this character of the Mandalorian Pedro Pascal's Mandalorian is going to be one of the greatest uh it's going to be hard to top Sabine I think that she has a pretty epic story with the with the dark saber and and uh and all of that um Pre Vizsla obviously uh is integral to the story of Mandalore but uh, I don't know. We're, we'll we'll learn soon enough how all of this connects together, and see. Um, but maybe there will be a connection to Boba somewhere in the lineage, um, somewhere like there might there might be something there. But um, honestly, I think that yeah. we're I think that we're better off leaving Boba where we last saw him, which was uh, slowly digesting over a thousand <laughs> years. I. The only thing that I will say, the only connection to Boba that I would ever want to see in this show is to learn that the reason why he's got, like, some of his Mandalorian armor is polished to, like, just pure Mandalorian steel with no with no um, paint on it is that he pulled some of it out of, like, he pulled the helmet out of the Sarlacc pit or something. And mm-hmm. that it's, like, everything else has been digested. And that's what, and, like, that's maybe that's Boba's helmet and he's just started making modifications. But one of the things that you, mm-hmm. that, that I've noticed as we've gotten more media from this with trailers, screenshots, action figures, whatever, is that, um, over the course of these eight episodes, his armor changes. Right. So right. I think we're going to yeah. see him mm-hmm. collecting Mandalorian steel and reforging it into a new, into a new set of armor into his own armor um kind of paralleling a jedi building their lightsaber right that like he's not Mm -hmm. truly a mandalorian until he's completed his set of armor and he's forged it himself and it's all like shiny and silver so the newest stuff that we've gotten in this trailer the chest piece is all completely different both um shoulders match which they didn't before. And then the, the upper leg pieces both match as well. So it's like, he's getting there. He's, he's, he's getting close towards the end of the season. I think is, is what that implies. Um, so we'll, I don't know. We'll see, but I think that that's going to be part of the, the, the story, the overall kind of story of the, of the season. Yeah. I just thought that like, you know, we, we were supposed to get a Boba Fett movie back in what, and now it was supposed to be announced at celebration, I believe, in 2015. Yeah, we that were in the panel canceled. that it was supposed to be announced at. Well, but <laughs> yeah. it, that was always then, rumored to be a Boba Fett story, and it may have true. just been a Mandalorian story, right? Yeah. So. And then, then there was Mangold, who was there was huge rumors about James Mangold, who did yeah. Logan, yeah. attached to a Boba Fett movie. So I just wonder, like, you know, did 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 um, I did a. I don't know. You know, I, just, I think I don't know all if they of were trying to do that or not. I think all of those projects are this project. Yeah. And I think that it it didn't get canceled. It got shelved, 
And then everybody who came in, it's like, okay, here are the five things that we've got cooking. Who wants to tell the story? Like, I don't think that mm-hmm. anybody, I think maybe Ryan Johnson is probably the, the only person who has the carte blanche to come in and just do whatever he wants. And if JJ wanted to do that, I think he probably could as well. But I think that with, with some of these other, other creatives that are coming in, we're going to talk about the Benioff and Weiss thing in a second. I think that they were coming in and it was like, here are the stories that you have to choose from. And the story group has sort of like, and, and I think with Kathleen Kennedy that they've kind of set, okay, these are the time periods that we want to explore. These are the characters that are available and who well, like, let's find the right people to work on the right projects. And that's why we keep hearing these rumors about specific things coming up over and over and over again yeah. with sure. different creatives attached because it's, conversations that are happening somebody comes up to the to the ranch sits down talks with kathleen kennedy and then the rumor gets out of like well did you hear that so-and-so was in to talk about an obi-wan kenobi movie that's like is it a movie i heard that it's a series i heard that it's a a trilogy and it's about young obi-wan in the jedi temple and like all this stuff right and then eventually we we discover oh they are doing an obi-wan series right eventually we discover oh they're doing the mandalorian it's and and i think that that i don't know maybe one day we'll get we'll get the full story of how they're doing it but i think that's how they're managing things um so i think one of the other things is is that they've got um the tales of the jedi slash kotor era sitting on the shelf and they're trying Mm -hmm. to find the right people to do it they brought brought in benioff and weiss they yeah. came in, looked at it, started, <coughs> since they finished Game of Thrones, started looking at what that would take to do those movies. And they've decided, if we do this, it's there's nothing else for the next 10 years, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's everything. Um, yeah. Especially on the new schedule that, that, that Disney has set out of you know that we don't have another star wars movie until what 2021 um 22 i thought 22 uh, or is it 21 one of those yeah it's yeah one of those two. it's mean, a it's yeah. a while from now yeah we're gonna be fine I think it's, it's all right yeah um we're gonna finish up the skywalker saga and then we're gonna have lots and lots to talk about um yeah maybe it is 22 because 21 is uh is gonna be kenobi um but yeah, I mean, like we've got so we've got Mandalorian season one, we've got Clone Wars coming back, we've got Cassie and Andor, we've got Mandalorian season two, Obi Wan season mm-hmm. one, or maybe just one season of that. We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've got movies that are in the works. I don't think the that this movie, Benioff yeah. and Weiss thing is a big deal. Um, I think it, that it's disappointing. I wanted to see what they were going to do with Star Wars. So did I. Sure, yeah. I, yeah, I'm a little disappointed too. But yeah. I think that I think that people are being asked to make big commitments, and they're they don't want to. I also think that this is partially the fault of Game of Thrones, and the two of them looking at it and going, "We are not popular right now," with with <laughs> the end of Game of Thrones. Yeah. If we do this, we're setting ourselves up for failure. I if they didn't have that conversation, then there's just no way. There's no way they didn't have that conversation of like mm. this matters 
financially from a career perspective if yes game of thrones still made a bunch of money it was still high rated and blah blah and hbo was very successful with the last season regardless but if they follow up game of thrones <coughs> excuse me with a season or with a with a star wars movie in the climate that star wars movies are being treated right now I don't see a way for them to do that without without just getting torn apart, no matter how good the movie is. And that's like that's kind of what I was saying last week about Mandalorian is like I'm I'm worried that, you know, like I think that those of us who love Star Wars are going to love it. Um, I'm a little bit worried that maybe it's being built up a little bit too much in our minds and that and that it's going to be a much smaller story or um you know, uh, that there's just going to be something that that's that's disappointing for some fans. Mm-hmm. But I'm even more worried. It's like I I I I think I I posted. I think it was a comment in one of the groups that I'm in on Facebook that like I'm excited for everything that's coming. I mean, we've got um, Resistance is airing and it's getting better every week. Um, with a little bit of a hiccup with the first episode of the season, not really following on the intensity of the finale last year but or earlier this year but in any case the series is is much better now than it was in season one um it seems to be getting better every week and then we've got um resistance reborn coming out next tuesday uh which i am very excited about they just announced that wedge is going to be in that story um which means that wedge survives in the era of the resistance with the last that we saw him i think was in the aftermath trilogy um which is right after Return of the Jedi. Um, and then we've got the first episode of The Mandalorian the following Tuesday. And then that Friday, we've got <laughs> Jedi Fallen Order and a second episode of The Mandalorian. Like, I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do with myself that night because, like, I want to do both. Um, yeah. And I have kids, <clears throat> so that's going to be really tough. But I will probably watch The <laughs> yeah. Mandalorian. And then play about an hour of Jedi Fallen Order and then go to bed. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and then and then after and then we've got new episodes of Mandalorian every week, and then we lead right into, uh, uh right into Rise of Skywalker, right? Like, like basically a month after that. Like it's it's nuts what we're going into. I'm so yeah. excited for all of that. At the same time, I have this dread that no matter how good any of this stuff is, there's a certain contingent on the internet that is going to go out of their way to say, Disney sucks, this is more Disney garbage, blah, blah, blah. And then the the bots, the, the, the Russian hacking bots or whatever they are, are going to start picking that up and just, just repeating it, right? Because, like, it's... It's so interesting to be on Twitter these days and to post something or to go into the thread of something and see people I know, whether I actually know them like face to face from celebrations or other events or whatever, or I just know them by reputation because we're all kind of, you know, Star Wars Twitter, Um, seeing everybody within that space and then people that I know from other communities like kind of funny and uh, uh, IGN and, and stuff like that um, everybody sort of having different reactions but all sort of generally positive or excited positive, or yeah. hopeful and then sure. 
And then you see these like copy paste responses of like, it's like, oh, Mandalorian trailer. So exciting. Everybody's excited, 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 excited. And then randomly one tweet that's like more Disney garbage for the Disney garbage pile. And it's like, (laughs) did you watch the trailer? You can't be a real person because a real person will be like, even if you're skeptical, even if you don't like anything else that Disney has done, I feel like the majority of real human beings would be like, well, I haven't liked anything else they've done, but maybe this will be good. I hope this is good. It's either that or you just don't want to like Star Wars anymore, in which case just just go away. Just Yeah, stop. I think there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of that where they're just they just want to hate just to hate. Yeah. Um, no matter what the 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 medium is. And I'll just say as far as the like you said, I'm disappointed that, that Game of Thrones D and D aren't doing it. Um, but geez, they just signed this like not just, but they signed that $100 million contract with Netflix. And I can't imagine Netflix going, mm-hmm. we just gave you $100 million. But yeah, go ahead and, and take a couple years off and go do Star Wars. It's like, I don't, it just doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? When I, once I heard the, the Netflix deal, I'm like, well, how are they going to, how are they going to, you know, keep Netflix happy and then try to do a Star Wars movie? It's like, you know, doing a Star Wars movie, that's a, a lot of years of your life. Um, so, that didn't seem to mesh, but um, yeah, I, I'm still kind of bummed because you know we are we all heard the the rumors about oh they were gonna go back to the beginning and do some crazy all republic stuff. Um, of course, that was never uh, verified or anything, but just hearing about it, I was like oh that sounds like really cool just to go somewhere totally opposite of where we're at. Everything's kind of delves into this time frame this small time frame and they were going to go way back so that was kind of interesting and and seeing what they did with game of thrones obviously was a huge success and everything they did with it uh, was fantastic so i think a lot of people were excited like you said um but hey you know they haven't done anything so it's hard to be bummed about something we didn't have it you know we didn't hear anything we just heard they were going to do it so um that's just the way it is but here's what i think I think another reason that is going on is because I think we we forgot to talk about this, but Kevin Feig is coming in, or Feige, whatever you want to call him. Feige, He's yeah. coming in. Feige's coming in. So I think they're like, everybody, you know, part yeah. the ways. We got the man coming in. I, Let's get him on board now. You know, what I'm I mean? gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just douse that with with. I'm not gonna put water on it because water will create smoke, and then everybody will still think there's a fire. <laughs> I'm going to use a fire blanket and put that, that flame out and say, Kevin Feige is not, he's not doing a Star Wars movie. He's not producing a Star Wars movie. He's he developing made, is what they said. He, yeah, and it's a rumor and nothing's been announced by Lucasfilm, Disney, Star Wars, or Marvel. Um, I think that he, he is consulting a little bit. I think that he's working closely with Kathleen Kennedy as the the two heads of of the two biggest money makers right now for Disney, um, but I also I said this to you on Twitter when this first when this rumor first started going around. If you are under the impression that Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy have not been having regular conversations since, like basically, two thousand and fifteen, two thousand and sixteen, like like or before then even like probably like 2013 then you're just 
I think you're just deluded because they both work for the same company. They mm. are in essentially parallel positions. I mean, like now that Kevin Feige is going to be the chief creative officer for Marvel, like they are, like they are in the same spot. She's the president of Lucasfilm. He's the chief creative officer for Marvel for the entirety of Marvel. Um, they have to talk to each other now because there are Marvel Star Wars comics. They like stuff connects, so their jobs their jobs actually do act like they overlap now because he's not just dealing with the MCU. He's dealing with everything. But that's exactly why I say he has he is not making a Star Wars movie in any meaningful capacity. He is now the head of Marvel. Marvel Comics, Marvel Studios, Marvel Animation, Marvel like the merchandise. He is the chief creative officer for the entirety of Marvel Entertainment. He has so many things to worry about in order to do his job and meet the requirements of that job for the shareholders. He doesn't have time to produce a star Wars movie. Um, and I think if he doesn't have time to go over and, and I, I basically teach Sony how to make Spider-Man movies, then he doesn't have time to, to step over. And Spider-Man's the most important character in the Marvel stable. There's the only reason why they make the deals that they do with Sony is because Spider-Man is so important to Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, if the the rumors are that he doesn't have time to dedicate to that in the way that that people want him to, then he definitely doesn't have time to be like hopping over to to Marin County and and hang out at Skywalker Ranch to to make a movie. I think that he's going to have meetings with Kathleen Kennedy. I think that he's definitely going to have opinions that are taken very seriously by people high up in Lucasfilm, but I don't think that he's making a movie. So, but the thing is, the, the story came out. It was yeah. Alan Horn was the one that said, hey, we're bringing Kevin Feige in to develop. Now, that was the term I heard was develop. What does yeah. develop mean? I don't know. Is it is it writing? Is it directing? Is it overseeing? Is it that's the key word, right? Like the, I think it, I think that that what that is is Kevin Feige talking to them about what they should do next. Because yeah, because okay. they're, and they're I'm going fine like with that too. If yeah. we're not doing saga movies, what are we doing next? And I think they they I think they they. Um, Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy had an idea after the purchase of what they were going to do with Star Wars and they tried and out of all of that Rogue One is the only thing that was successful other than the saga films right Mm. Solo wasn't a box office success and there are a lot of reasons why Um, Rebels as much as it's an incredibly good show had way lower numbers than Clone Wars ever did um, and then resistance right. is even lower still, right? Like, uh, the, the, the books, the comics, everything is kind of, in my opinion, it's a little bit of oversaturation, but, but at the same time, like people only have so much money. They can't, I can't buy every piece of media that gets put out. Mm-hmm. And then I also just don't have time. I don't have time to read all the comics, read all the books, read blah, blah, blah. Like, and watch shows, watch movies, do all of that. I, it's, it, it's not impossible, 
But if you have a family, it's definitely very difficult unless it's your job. If it's actually your job and that's what you get paid to do, but if you got to if you got to balance a 9 to 5 and kids and a relationship <laughs> with a spouse or a partner, um yeah. you got to pick and choose what you're what you're investing in with Star Wars. Um and I think that like like that's sort of they thought that they would be able to just kind of crank everything up to 11 and that the fans would meet them there and and the truth has not not met that expectation. I think the other thing is that like they thought okay, let's go back, let's do a story with classic characters with Han and Chewie and Lando. <clears throat> Personally, I think they executed and did the best possible movie that they could do under those circumstances. Um and it's my favorite Star Wars movie so far. But um obviously it didn't hit with the with the audience. It didn't hit with the general public in the way that some of the other stuff does. Um, mm. And there was a lot of bad press and stuff like that. Like I said, there's there's sort of circumstances around that movie that, that made it less successful, but that doesn't change the reality that they want to make money, they want to make as much money as possible. Um, and so solo movies aren't going to be the thing that does that. And I think right now they're doubling down on... on um, the, the thing that fans have been asking for the most, which is Ewan McGregor coming back as Obi-Wan, uh, Rogue mm-hmm. One success, so let's go back to Cassian Andor and K2SO, um, and, and, and seeing this Boba Fett project through into the Mandalorian, bringing back the Clone Wars, right? They're, they're kind of doubling down on things that they know are going to be, are going to be fan favorite, um, as opposed to trying to experiment with something like recasting Han Solo. Um, which was always going to be a difficult sell, but uh, oh, man. yeah, Ooh. yeah. So I think I think that if if Kevin Feige is coming in and working on developing stuff, what he's what that means is that he's coming in and sitting down with Kathleen Kennedy and saying, "This is what you guys got to do. This is what we did with Marvel. We couldn't yeah. use Spider Man. Yeah. We couldn't use sure. the X Men. We couldn't. You are in the same position, not because the rights are owned by other people, but because you just." You can't tell those stories. Look what happens when you try and tell a story with Luke Skywalker. Whether that story is great or not, whether that film is well put together and a good movie, and even if it's commercially successful, look at what happens when you play with those characters and 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 the repercussions of that with Solo, right? Because that, that to me is really the biggest piece. The Last Jedi and the the controversy after that like the hate that came after the last jedi is what tanked solo not solo right Mm -hmm. like that movie didn't deserve to be hated the way that it was before people even saw it because people were acting like solo in their minds was as bad as they thought the last jedi was without having even seen the movie right right and i mean like they're wrong to think that the last Jedi is that bad. They, you can dis. We've had this conversation. You can disagree with some of the decisions. Is it a bad movie? Objectively, no. It's not a bad movie. It's not a bad film, right? Like there are bad movies out there. Uh, you, there are, I think, four Twilight yeah. movies. Those are all bad <laughs> movies, right? <laughs> Look out! I'm gonna get the Twilight people mad. Sure. <laughs> But is yeah. they're kind of unabashedly bad. Like that's kind of the thing there, right? Right, um, right, yeah. 
but I'm, I'm like, like, if you want to talk about poorly made films in the Star Wars universe, we have examples. There are two Ewok movies that were made for TV <laughs> that are bad movies. The stories are poorly structured. The effects are laughable. Like, there's a lot of problems with them. I love them, right? Because I love Star Wars, and I was a kid the first time I saw them, so there's a lot of nostalgia there. But even more than that, the prequels are not well-made films. They're not. They have a lot of problems. They have more... They have less in, in favor than they have going against them. Like that, that's to say, like there are just yeah. there are more problems with 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 the scripts, with the performances, with uh, I the, the execution on the story, right? Like we have done a lot of work ourselves to make sure that we think that those stories are great, um, and the Clone Wars goes a long way in in bringing that back together. But at the end of the day, that like those movies are not well constructed films. Um, and I think that's why George sold Star Wars because once he kind of had some distance from it and sobered up a little bit and looked back at it, he realized I made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have listened to other people when they said, no, George, you direct them. He should have, he should have had somebody else direct them. Um, it's just that the only people that he talked to were his friends being, uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, who else did he go to? Um, Oh, I'm trying well, to remember. I mean, you, what, did he go to Francis Ford Coppola? Did he go to you know Brian De Palma? Did he go to? Yeah. Um, I mean, those are the older, yeah, his older. Crew, but that was but... like he went. He did. He went to his crew and was like, "Somebody make one of these Star Wars movies," um, and everybody said, "No, George, you do it," and they were all wrong. I mean, like if I ever meet Steven Spielberg, I will do two things. I will say, "Thank you for Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park." Right. <laughs> they are two of the most amazing things ever put on film um, but I am still mad at you for telling George Lucas to make The Phantom Menace because yeah. he should have produced The Phantom Menace and Rick McCallum should have been kept very far away from that production um, I know that there are other people who disagree with me on that there's a Rick McCallum defense force out there um, but I think that he should have been kept very far away from that movie um, and George and uh, and man, you, you just needed different people in order to make that those movies, in order to tell that story in a, in the proper way. But, anyways, we go on and on and on yeah. about this. The, I know, uh, dude. I mean, yeah, you can make a whole podcast faster, more intense, right there. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> the 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 reality is just that like Kevin Feige just doesn't have time to be intimately involved with a specific Star Wars production. Um, but I think, but I think that if his, if his, if the least thing he's doing is coming in and kind of directing, like, hey, I think you guys should do this. I think that's fantastic too because his track record is. I mean, you can't you can't argue with that. So he is, I think people are just excited about that. He is the most successful, the most prolific, the most talented producer in the history of Hollywood, and mm. like I. It, that's usually something that you say about somebody once they've retired or after they've been dead for a couple of years. But 23 films culminating in Endgame and the the 
that moment in Endgame with the portals, I mean, like, spoilers if you haven't seen Endgame, but if you haven't seen Endgame, I don't know who you are, why you're listening to me talk about anything, <laughs> because that is... Sorry, sorry, uh, Martin Scorsese, if you're listening, or Francis Ford Coppola, if you're listening. That's one of the greatest moments in cinematic history. Mm -hmm. Full stop. It just like it just is. Avengers Assemble is just yeah. It's it's eleven years of storytelling coming to a head in one of the most amazing spectacles that humanity has ever witnessed. Uh, whether it's digital or not, I don't care. It's it was amazing, and yeah. uh, that's Kevin Feige. That doesn't happen without Kevin Feige. So yeah, get him in, talk to him, get his opinion <laughs> on what on what Lucasfilm should do next, and then and then take that ball and run with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we got a whole another phase of Marvel coming out, um, and we've got all of the the Disney Plus stuff for that. He's a busy man. That's all. That's yeah. uh, oh, I think yeah. we can kind of cut it there. But um, sure, sure. Yeah. I. It, all of that said, there's so much Star Wars coming at us so fast. I buckle up, baby. Yeah, just buckle up, baby. In the words of <laughs> in the words of Lando Calrissian, I can't. It can't be said any better because uh, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so yeah. good. If you yeah. can't find something to love in the next eight weeks of Star Wars, then go away. You're not a Star Wars fan anymore. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's tough, yeah. I give yeah. you permission. Pack your stuff. Move on. You don't Let's like go. Star Wars anymore. You can still watch the original trilogy to your heart's content. No one's going to take that away from you. But stop acting like any of this stuff is being made for you because it runs the full gamut from as childish as it can get with not quite as childish as it can get but pretty pretty kid oriented with resistance all the way to the mandalorian if there's not something in there for you then you just don't like laser swords and spaceships mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah. go read a book about the civil war because that's probably more your speed. Civil War. Watch a baseball game. Like I don't there know go, what. Right. Name something else boring that. Go go take up gardening. Okay. Like <laughs> Star Wars is not for you. Yeah. To everybody yeah, else, that. we're here to have fun. So let's keep having yeah. fun. And I think that that's that awesome. is. I think that's really the majority of people. So. Yeah. With that, let's have some fun and actually recap. Uh, let's get into the recap for. For Hunt on Cellsore 3. All right, let's do it. Calculate the jump, Chop. How is my boyfriend doing? Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. Kenobi. Hand it over, Ewok. No. So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome. Now it's time for the Rebel Cells episode recap. 
Uh, yeah, episode, uh, Hunt for a Cell Sore 3, Brad Rao directing and written by Sharon Flynn. So let's get into it. Um, tensions are growing on the Colossus as food and resources have uh, essentially run out. Unable to serve her patrons, Aunt C decides to leave, and Kaz is shocked when Niku seems to agree. But Kragen sees an opportunity in the challenges facing Captain Doza. So, Mike, we talked about this um, over previous episodes, the last couple of episodes. Obviously, supply shortages, um, like I said, were mentioned in, in previous two episodes, and the consequences of the Colossus, uh, that their departure from Castellan is really starting to hit hard, uh, especially in this episode. Uh, the people on uh, the Colossus, you know, they're talking about obviously there's no food, supplies are super low, there actually is no food. Uh, everybody's frustrated, and you know the first order and the conflict that they're having. Uh, people are just wanting to leave. They're just like in this episode, they just they go, "Hey, we're out of here." Even Hadzi's like, "You know what? Let's just take off. Let's find something else to do." So um, it's kind of the dire straits that that this little group is in right now. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, things are getting desperate. I, I, yeah, this desperate was... for sure. There's a reason why they're why they're not focusing on finding the resistance and helping them, and I think that that that's perfect. That now mm-hmm. we can definitively say because by this point, the Battle of Crate has happened. Oh, like I, I I think we can we can confidently say that it's been yeah. it has been days, and I I we know how long the Last Jedi is. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And right. and we they showed up by the time they showed up, the Battle of Crate may have already been happening when they showed up on Dakar, because we don't even know. Did they show up on Dakar mere hours after or was it like a day later? Because if it was a day later, <clears throat> the Battle of Crate already happened. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm really hoping that with Resistance Reborn coming out next week. That we're gonna get maybe a little bit of a heads up of like, like, like who, when people started answering the call because they didn't answer the call immediately, obviously, um, and mm-hmm. I think there's reasons for that. I think what we're gonna learn because of that, and I, this is because of the shot in the the Rise of Skywalker trailer with all those ships. I think what we're gonna learn is that similar to Kaz and Yeager and the Colossus, similar to Maz Kanata. Um, everybody else they put out the call to something was happening mm. and I think that that was a concerted effort on the part of the First Order I think that's what we'll learn is that the First Order after the the attack on Hosnian Prime we thought like oh that was them the Starkiller Base was the First Order and then we discovered no they got a bunch more ships and they've got the the um is Snoke's ship the supremacy? Supremacy. Yeah. Right. They've got the supremacy. Um, we don't know if they've got another home world somewhere in the unknown regions, right? Like, <coughs> it's entirely possible that at the same time that they launched the attack on Hosnian Prime, that there was that there were forces all over the galaxy going after every other resistance rumor everything right like any anybody that might rise up against the first order so let's say on mon calamari 
that like obviously the mon cows would 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 rush to help leia right why wouldn't mm-hmm. they and in the rise right. of skywalker trailer we see there's a bunch of mon cow ships so obviously they do but maybe they couldn't in that moment because the first order was already there they were already mm-hmm. there with a bunch of star destroyers blockading right that that yeah. snoke had a plan in the same way that palpatine would have had a plan right and and look at yeah. how palpatine took over he made sure that his troops were everywhere and then he executed order 66 it wasn't until he had clone troopers on every major planet in the galaxy that he then went okay clone wars are done it was really i mean like the deciding factor was anakin he was like okay i'm just waiting for this to be done and then once he had anakin he was like this is the moment right we've got all of the pieces are now in place i've got my my the the king to his queen in in chess terms i think i think that's accurate yeah um yeah and and that's when he decides to 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 fully enact his plan i think that the 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 destruction of hosnian prime would have been a similar moment for snoke and the first order and i think we might learn that as um, Star Wars Resistance goes on as Resistance Reborn comes out and, and and we get the rise of Skywalker. That in the moments after Hosnian Prime was destroyed, the galaxy was in a state of shock. And then, then they came together um, and joined with Leia's Resistance and, and the Resistance is reborn in that, right? And that's what this book is going to be about. Um, that's my hope. That's my hope, and I yeah. think that that yeah. next week will be too soon. Um, depending on when we record, I guess. If we record on Wednesday or Thursday, I might be a fair ways into that book if it's a good book. But because mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you, I'm like, I am going to wake up Tuesday morning on November fifth, and the first thing I'm going to do is download the audiobook for that, so that yeah, I can start nice. listening to it. Because I am yeah. like. Poe is the biggest head on that cover, and there's yeah, no, yeah. there is no better way to get me excited about a Star Wars product than putting one of three characters front and center on the cover, and that is it's either <laughs> got to be Obi Wan, Kanan, or Poe Dameron, and oh, if it's Dameron, one of those yeah. three, I am signed up. He's in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm excited, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think that that this story to bring it back to Star Wars Resistance, this story is showing why the Colossus was MIA in The Last Jedi, which is in perfect. Jedi, yeah. That's sure, like, yeah. that's all I need. That's it. Now we have a real good explanation for they're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Also, the Colossus is in no shape to fight a battle yet. No. It's going to get there. It's going to get there, and I really hope that it gets there, uh, and then we see it in, in Rise of Skywalker. But, um, but yeah. Uh, here, let me let me continue uh, with this. Uh, Kaz and Tora try to convince convince Aunt Z not to go. Finally, she says that there's one way they can get food: the Jakus creature, recently encountered by the Aces above the Ice Moon Selsor Three, contains enough meat to feed the ship for a long time. But who could catch it? Kragen and his crew quickly enter the cantina, saying that they will get the job done. Tora informs her father of developments. Despite his initial protests, she and Kaz will accompany the pirates as they try to capture the Jakusk. So we're going Jakusk hunting. Yeah, go ahead. 
No, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah it's it, this is I, uh, I uh, reminiscent of that uh, of the episode from uh, from Star Wars Rebels when they're when they're trying to catch those sandworm things. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Which is obviously yeah. itself a reference back to Jaws. So this is all, it's all connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all connected. Yeah, that was a great episode too. Yeah, you know, and here's another thing too about this is uh, Craig and, um, <clears throat> at, at first he sees this as possibly a, a chance to undermine Captain Doza yeah. and his authority. Uh, so he's kind of looking <laughs> at it from uh, his own little angle there. So I, I kind of like the way they, they kind of put that in there. Uh, they go to Celsius 3 surface and the giant beast emerges. Kragen commands all ships to open fire and ignores Kaz's warning that the Jakus hide is too tough for their weaponry or weapons. After losing two ships, he finally commands a retreat, but the Jakus is angry. It follows Kragen's ship, and only Kaz and Tora's well-placed blasts on its underbelly drive the beast away. So we got a shot. You know what? Here's the thing, too. The pirates leave, um, and of course Tora and, and Kaz are right behind in this first uh, this first attack here. I just I still love the look of that that Kragen ship. The pirate, you know, it's the pirate yeah, ship. The it looks galleon, like, yeah. It, yeah, it just looks like it's it's a perfect mix of like I feel it's like right out of Pirates of the Caribbean, and then but obviously a space version of it. it's just really cool just the way that the you know this has all the mass and and stuff like that it's just a great a great uh visual too and, and, and another thing i like too is like craigan even uses um nautical nautical uh terms he's like at one point he goes hard to port and it just kind of like they're they're playing off that whole vibe of being a pirate ship and all that so i just love the fact that he's even using uh nautical terms to uh uh, as he's going through this battle. So anyway, go ahead, Mike, go ahead. One yeah, uh, out in space, Kaz and CB-23 find that they have a stowaway. No, wait, did I skip one? I skipped uh, one. I think you're back Sorry. at Yeah, Yeah, back yeah. at Aunt Z's, Kragen blames the Aces for his failure. Aunt Z has... Ha- I, it's because I think the last one said, like, back at Aunt Z's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Aunt Z has yeah. had enough and determines to leave that night. Later, Tora Ka- and Kaz go to see Captain Doza, who seems distressed with recent developments as his and his inability to solve the Colossus' problems. Um, uh, they, they, there's also, uh, we're just reading this from the recap that's on StarWars.com. It kind of uh, glosses over what I think is an important story point, which is that uh, it seems like, like Niku is also going to pack his stuff up and leave um, yeah. after this. And, uh, and, and we're all like a little bit taken aback. I was like, Whoa, really Niku? Um, yeah. but it's a setup for, for later in the episode that I think has a really good payoff. So, yeah. um, just wanted to drop that tidbit in there, but, uh, yeah, I mean like it's it, kind of bad news, right? I, I, the kind of, this, this episode's structured really well. It sets up the stakes of literally, I, uh, we need, we need to catch the jacuzzi cause we we're all going to starve. We need some jacuzzi <laughs> yeah. steak. Um, they go out, they try to catch it. They are underprepared and overwhelmed and don't catch it. So we come back and that, that immediately raises the stakes because now Aunt Z goes like, that was the one thing you couldn't do it. I'm out of here. So we're going like, well, now what are we going to do? Um, and we also raise the stakes by the pirates not being able to do it. It's like, well, they're our best shot right now. Um, so now it's going to be all up to Kaz and Tora, and they're going to have to go back and figure something out, which puts them in a very dangerous position. Right. I'll uh, say the the only thing is that the Buggles storyline kind of ends up 
undercutting that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it is Star Wars Resistance, so it stays on tone with the series in general. Um, yeah. And I think it's fine. But if we wanted this to be a little bit more like Star Wars Rebels, we'd remove that element, and then the episode would be a, just that it would be the right amount of maturity for Star Wars Rebels. If we really mm-hmm. wanted to crank it all the way to Clone Wars, those pirates would not have jumped off of the ship. They would have died. <laughs> they would have been eaten by the Jakusk, and that would have been the end of it. Um, but nobody, yeah, nobody ever yeah. dies on Resistance other than uh, when Tie Fighters explode. But uh, but right. we never see the the aftermath of that. We just see an explosion. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Tora's never seen. Uh, she mentioned about seeing, never seen her father uh, so stressed out as yeah. what it is now, and and, and for good measure, uh, or good reason. Uh, Kaz and Tora, with no help from the from uh, Buggles, try to figure out how to capture the Jakusk. Kaz remembers that Tam had been uh, working on a cannon for the fireball, but never installed it. The weapon should be powerful enough to take down the giant creature if they can hit its weak spot. The underside. So yeah, that's their plan. Uh, attack. Its mobility is ambushing it from below, and it's going to be a major help with this uh, cannon that um, mm-hmm. that uh, Tam had been working on. So uh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. <clears throat> uh, here we go. Now out in space, <laughs> Kaz and CB23 <laughs> find that they have a stowaway. Buggles. When they land on the ice moon, Kaz tries to hide Tora's pet, but it's no use. The lively creature jumps out of the cockpit and frolics off. Tora gives chase, but soon finds that the ground is not entirely stable. The icy surface begins to crack and rise as the Jakusk flies upward. Um, I like that Empire reference in the, uh, in the dude. Movie, yeah, you got that too. Yeah. yeah, that was the thing that jumped out. I mean, someone reminiscent of you know USB Huntley and Chewie landing on yeah. the space lug, and without knowing, yeah, that, that one jumped right out at me, and I didn't know if I was like digging too hard for references or if I was like, oh, okay, you know. So the fact that you uh, you, you noticed it. I was like, okay, cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's, uh, two, uh, two of uh, Kragen's goons who had crashed during the initial attempt to rescue the beast, or secure the beast, excuse me, uh, abscond with Kaz and Tor's ships. But Kaz and Tor still have a cannon until the Jakus crashes its battery, or crushes its battery with its mighty tail. Meanwhile, Tor spots Buggles atop an ice spire. With time running out before the creature snags Tor's pet, Kaz plugs the cannon into CB-23 and delivers a direct hit to the Jakusk weak spot. I guess you could say the Jakusk got uh, jakuked, Kaz says. Um, so, a uh, terrible pun there, but a uh, joke there. But um, like you said, if, it was, if this was Rebel or... or it, it probably, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Sometimes Anakin and, and Obi-Wan some said some pretty funny things. But anyway... Yeah. Uh, Cannon comes through. Cannon comes through. They figured it out, you know, uh, hitting that underbelly, and that's exactly what they needed was uh, some some sustenance to uh, kind of quell yeah. the uh, the people on the on the Colossus. So yeah, finish, go ahead, finish it out, Mike. Yeah, uh, on the Colossus, smiles abound as everyone feasts on the food delivered by Kaz and Tora. Aunt Z has decided to stay, and Captain Doza promises that he will never forget his responsibility to the citizenry. Suddenly, a 360-degree mural illuminates, painted to look like the Castellan sky. It comes courtesy of Niku. I would never leave, he says. The Colossus is my home, and you are all my family. And that's uh, that's exactly it. I, I, I thought that, that subplot was really well executed. 
um, and such a great payoff to uh, what he was packing up all of his stuff, but not to leave to trade to other people so that he get the equipment required in order to do this. And um, yeah, I just a great moment of Niku's character showing through. Um, he's kind of the heart of the team. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I, I really liked that. I really liked this episode. I thought that, that it was really good. Um, it kind of had all of the elements that, that I would want to see from this show. Um, I don't know. And I think there's probably an element of the fact that we've just acclimated to what this is. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, when Buggles shows up, it's a little bit more like, okay, well, Buggles is there. Right. Um, and there's some, there's yeah. a good funny moment. Uh, there's a, there's a couple, with with buggles so it's it's i think it's all right but uh do you do you think they maybe they could have i was thinking like i thought this was going to go into a uh, a spot where um craigan i thought maybe there was going to be a showdown with craigan and do you think they missed maybe an opportunity and i and i saw this online it kind of it made a little bit of sense where they were talking about um something like the captain ahab and the moby dick kind of storyline where it could have been Craig in going against this giant beast and he goes out. But again, we're talking about maybe Craig and having to, uh, to die in this, in this thing, I guess maybe that wouldn't make sense in this, in this kind of story. But it kind of made sense a little bit that, that you could have had this storyline where instead of Torah and Kaz, it could have been Craig. but, you know, again, you're, you're going away from the main um, stars of the show, which is Kaz and, and, contaminate them so i don't know yeah it, it, it kind of made sense when i read it you know the whole captain ahab type, type of thing i think that they need to build the tension up between the two of them a little bit more before it comes to a head um mm-hmm. but yeah i yeah I, I i don't disagree with that uh i think there was enough conflict in this episode as it was though i think yeah. i think that would have taken away from the the real stakes which is uh and z leaving She's important to the Colossus. Yeah. Because right, she right. is, um, as much as Doza is the official leader, um, Aunt Z is the one that everybody respects, right? right. So she's kind of, she has an authority, whether whether it's acknowledged or not, um, on the Colossus. And, and I think that, that it was important to establish that and follow that thread rather than spend too much time on the power struggle between uh, Kragen and Doza. And I think that that'll come back and I think it'll probably come back at the worst possible time for them from a, from a conflict standpoint, like they'll be in the middle of an assault from the first order or uh, like with the first order hot on their heels. And that's when you bring that conflict up Mm -hmm. that um, they need to defend the Colossus. And that's when Kragen takes advantage and goes, uh, you know, like, a, well, we're not working for free if we're, you know, like the Colossus is our ship now or something like that. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Um, sure. And sort of a power struggle there of like of of Kragen using a moment like that to seize control, to seize power. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that well, how that goes. But I think what's more important is that what you're seeing is. Kragen's not noticing that his crew is beginning to intermingle with the Colossus crew. Yeah. And they're right. all coming yeah. together. And, right. and I think what you're going to see is that when Kragen does go for that power grab, that his crew 
is going to turn around and go, but these are our friends. This is our home now. Right. And like, like they, like we, we defend them because they're part of our crew. Like they're our family. We've been fighting together and surviving together for some time now. Right. And that, like, I think that there's a, there will be an interesting story to tell there. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, even in the end, um, it was a drill and, uh, oh, drill. And I think snarl, um, they're, yeah. you know, all apologizing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you can definitely see like they're starting to yeah. be cool with each other or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Good point. Good point. So, uh, yeah, that's it for this, uh, this, I guess this week, uh, we got, uh, somebody mentioned or somebody came in on Facebook too, right? Mike? Yeah. Yeah. We got you a message, uh, from, uh, Ariel on Facebook and he writes Mike and Matt, uh, great hearing you guys talk about resistance. I'm finally caught up with this season. I must say that Hunt on Cellsword 3 was not as good as last week's live fire. I guess I wanted to see more of the aces here and contrasted with Tam's storyline. I'm somewhat annoyed by the pirate tropes, but hey, it's geared towards younger audiences and my kids liked them. On a different note, I just went to Star Wars uh, to Disneyland and uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge yesterday, and I was really surprised to not see any Star Wars Resistance merchandise anywhere in the park. I happened to find a Hot Wheels Torah and Hypes Starfighters at the 7-Eleven store across the street. That mm. just felt wrong. Anyways, always <laughs> a pleasure watching Resistance and listening in on your commentaries. That one comes from Ariel. So thank you for that. Yeah, it, that is interesting to me to not see any Resistance stuff uh, at, uh, at Galaxy's Edge, but... Um, there's, there's honestly not that much resistance merchandise in general. Um, I haven't seen those, uh, the ACE, uh, 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 Hot Wheels ships at all. Um, so that's, uh, yeah. I'm kind of bummed by that. As you can tell, Cassie is also bummed by that. Uh, if Man, you she is that, mad about that. She is upset about <laughs> it. She really wants a fireball and I don't blame her. Oh, yeah. I want a fireball too. So, um, yeah. yeah, I I I don't know. I it's it's interesting to me, but uh, but thanks for writing in, Ariel. Uh, and others can definitely write in uh, if they uh, if they want to. <laughs> Obviously, now I have to wrap up the episode. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think hey, that's it's, gonna it's stop. a good point. Um, it's a good point. No, it's a good point. Thanks for the thanks for the mail, though, man. Long time listener. He's very yeah. good with uh, sending in stuff. So really appreciate that, dude. Good stuff. Um, but you know, we're at the end of the episode, anyways. Uh, next week we'll be back for the engineer. Here's the description: Kaz and Niku discover Nina, Nena, a Nikto engineer in need of assistance who barely escaped a first order attack. So there, there it is. That's our first hint that I think, I think we're gonna start to get more of this stuff. That the whole galaxy is under assault. But um, yeah, yeah, cool. I yeah, that's it. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to uh, rebelcells.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast, uh, on Twitter at rebelspodcast, and on Instagram at rebelcells. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Ar- at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and you can follow Matt at the crankster. That's crankster with a K. We're also part of the Thunderquack yes. Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the network. And if you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merchandise. And second, by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support. 
over there and getting some awesome rewards in return. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Sorry about that at the end. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too annoying. It's all um, good. But yeah, uh, no. we'll be back next week uh, for the episode, The Engineer. Thank you.